RP3 is ready to step his game up and grab the mic for the latest edition of the Rap Game Podcast. Here is Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Oh, welcome back to the latest episode of the Rap Game Podcast. I am your host, Raymond Parch, the third better known as RP3, and I am in a great mood, and I'm going to tell you why. The association. That's right, the NBA. They have a plan in place. They're coming back. Now, look, your boy won't be able to see their games in person. I'm not getting credentialed, nor am I getting a ticket to see them play down in Coronado Springs at Walt Disney World Resort. Even though I am familiar with the Walt Disney World Resort, I went there last Thanksgiving My wife and I took our daughter, Hattie, for her first trip to Walt Disney World. It was amazing and exhausting all at the same time. But the league is coming back. They're going to have eight regular season games for the 22 teams that are being invited to come down to Orlando. Then they're going to seed the playoffs. There's all types of different scenarios. It's going to be nothing like we've ever seen before. But we get basketball back we get the association back and they get to finish their season and we get a playoffs and we will be able to crown a champion so that's why I'm so enthusiastic feeling euphoric today ladies and gentlemen and someone else who's joining me on the podcast today may be the biggest fan of the association I know he's excited as well you know him for his work with the praise John Pelicans report on RP3 and Company, it's my good friend, the producer extraordinaire, Louis Prejean. Louis, NBA, man, it's not going to be here right now. It's not going to be here by the end of the weekend or next weekend, but we're getting it back. We're going to be able to have some regular season games and get playoffs and be able to crown a champion. How excited are you about that when it looked like the NBA was possible, possibly in jeopardy of not returning? I feel really excited, but you ever just eat a bunch of saltine crackers and then it feels like your mouth is just weighed down? <laughs> That's how I feel right now because I just ate a bunch of saltine crackers. Thank you, Lois, for interrupting your lunch slash snack to hop on the podcast today. I greatly appreciate well, that. That's why I'm so skinny because my lunch is saltine crackers. <laughs> I wanted to have you on because I, I'm just so excited and I can't wait to see what happens. Can't wait to see what happens with the New Orleans Pelicans if they can get into that playoff position and make a run. Because everyone is essentially starting over from scratch there, Lewis. Because, yes, other teams may have better records. They may have had better playoff positioning. But everyone's been put on pause by the time we return for three months. So it's like you're starting a new season over. I expect to see upsets. I expect to see some of those teams at the top of each conference falter when the playoffs begin. Because that chemistry and that movement and that flow that they had developed during the season has been derailed. And I also feel that may help the Pelicans because they started developing a chemistry. But guess what? They've already dealt with not having the full team out there earlier in the year. And they're young and they kind of don't know any better. So I don't see that being that much of an issue where sees someone that is a veteran team that's kind of, I don't know, was finding themselves. Like I have question marks about the Clippers. They played well, but there was a lot of load management already with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. They both know how to put it together, but will the time off actually hurt them? There's a lot of questions there with the NBA returning, but I like the Pelicans' chances. But I can make an argument that the time off 
and them not returning until July 31st actually helps a lot of the teams develop chemistry because now they'll be they've opened up practice facilities and during the season you go you don't get a lot of practice time with your teammates. That's correct. This offers them a lot of practice time with their teammates and individually. No, not a lot of distractions. It's straight up basketball. So they start training camp in early July and then they'll play basketball in late July. And they've already opened team practice facilities for practice. They're getting a lot more practice time in the middle of a season. You can call it like off the hiatus or anything like that. But in the middle of a season, you get a lot more practice time than you would. It's true. And you've already played 60-something games with your team. So I'd argue that you have more practice time. And I know the basketball will be sloppy because it's a three-month hiatus, four-month hiatus almost to that point. But they've gotten a lot more practice time than they're used to during the season. But who's going to be disciplined enough to take advantage of that? I think that's going to be a, a huge key there as well, right? Are, are, are some guys, are their mindset going to be, well, I can just turn it on because I'm so-and-so. In, insert whatever player's name that you want to. Maybe some of these younger teams are going to be more focused because they feel like, oh, I have an opportunity to do something. Maybe they're going to take the practice. Maybe they're going to be more diligent at it. Maybe they're going to be more focused. I don't know. I'd be interesting to see. I, th- I, th- I don't think... We can make blanket statements about a, a veteran team or a younger team, but I'd be interested to see which teams really take advantage of the league starting back up, having that additional practice time. Who's going to put in the work? Because not everyone is, right? Not everyone's going to be putting in the work. We know this. Others will, and I think the ones that put in the work and take advantage of that are going to have a leg up once we start play again. I know. I was thinking, like, I don't know if you can really pit veteran versus young team because no one's been through this. Like, Correct. <laughs> no one, no team has been through this, but I guess it, I, it's hard because does experience matter in this playoff format? I think it's so unpredictable, right? Because like, we, when we come to the playoffs, everyone's like, it's about the best player that's on the court, and that's still going to hold true, but... Playoff experience, I mean, there's no crowd. You don't have to travel for road games. It's completely like, different. And you're not you're you're not gonna have any travel for your home for your away games. You're not gonna have home court advantage. We found out what this last week or over the weekend that families will not be able to go hang out in Disney World, that they'll be quarantined there on the thing. So I don't know, man. It's gonna be interesting thing. Mentally tough players, they're gonna rise to the occasion here. LeBron James is one of those guys. I feel like LeBron has been laser-focused, Lewis, during this downtime. I think he's going to play with a, a, an absolute veracity once this come, once they start playing. I really do. It, if, you, if you had to ask me today, who do you like to win? And I know the Lakers were already in a great position. LeBron. Like I, I just feel like he is going to have his mindset now. Do all the other pieces around him on the Lakers, are they going to be on the same page with him? I feel like they, they're they going to. But I think you're going to see a monster postseason from LeBron James. I just think he's going to take it over because he has that next level in the conversation goat type of mentality like Kobe before him, like MJ before him, that they see an opportunity and they're like, you know what, I'm not going to waste it. Other guys aren't aren't built like LeBron is mentally. I just think he's the type of guy that's going to try to take advantage of it and just see him kind of just, man, I wouldn't be, it would not surprise me at all, Lewis, if we see LeBron take over this postseason. Like, we don't know how much value to place on playoff experience, so I'm trying to look towards other experience. I wonder if, like, Olympic experience matters in this because 
you're playing in an empty arena, but you're playing against some of the best players. So, like, LeBron has a lot of Olympic experience where he's scrimmaged the best players in the league, and you know you're not getting a whole lot of competition from the other countries, so maybe you're going all out in those scrimmages. We saw in the Michael Jordan doc in the last dance, those players were going all out yep. against each other. I wonder how much Olympic experience matters in this because a guy like LeBron is used to going hard in these scrimmages against some of the best players in empty arenas. I, I, I'm kind of looking towards like Olympic experience too. Then if that's the case, then I hate to say it, then watch out for Portland because Carmelo is <laughs> one of the best guys to play in the Olympics. Yeah, Olympic Mellow is a o- Olympic Mellow, yeah. Why can't we have Olympic Mellow during the regular season and playoffs? Like, Where, where's Olympic Mellow? Mellow's going to be the finals MVP if we're just going <laughs> to go by this logic. Like, totally. Fi- finals MVP, give it to him. So, I mean. Olympic Mellow is the best Mellow. Like, I think because we're this is unprecedented times, like, you don't look at Olympic experience to count in any other playoffs. Like, no one's like, oh, you played in the Olympics oh, yeah. before? It's going to be. Work it it great doesn't for matter, you in the but playoffs. now it does. And the thing about it, you brought that up. Having to go and play at a neutral site like that, mm-hmm. the guys who have the Olympic experience are going to be a little bit more accustomed to that because it's going to be like sitting up at an Olympic village where you live, where you practice right. that, that whole time. It's a good point by you. I knew uh, I yeah. had you on here yeah, for a reason. There, there was a reason. There was a reason. It makes sense. To say that there is an age difference between you and I would be an understatement. You are how old right now? 17. No. Seriously. I'm 24. You're 24. <laughs> yeah. I am 41. I'll be 42 this year. So we're roughly 20 years apart. We both love the association, but we both fell in love with it at a different time. And that's what I kind of really want to shift the focus to now. For you, a lot of the stuff, when I fell in love with the NBA, you, you saw a lot of it during the last dance. It was kind of eye-opening for you because maybe you weren't aware of it, with the exception of maybe some YouTube videos and old clips. What the last dance reminded me of was the NBA that I fell in love with. Now, I was still a small child when Larry Legend and Magic started going at it. But I do remember falling in love watching on NBC Larry Bird, Kevin McHale, Danny Ainge, Robert Parrish, those great Celtics teams of the 80s when Larry Bird won three straight league MVPs before his back derailed his career. He probably could have played longer. And the Showtime Lakers, Pat Riley with the slick back hair and the beautiful suits, Magic, James Worthy. You still had Kareem, even though he was on the downturn of his career. He, he was peak in the 1970s, but he was still wildly effective. He even played into the 90s. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, James Worthy, Cooper, those great Laker teams. And I remember watching those on the weekend on NBC and how box office that was. And then came Jordan. And then, then then came Michael Jordan. And we still had others during that time. You still had the tail end of the career for Dr. J, Julius Irving, who, let's be honest, forced the merger of the ABA into the NBA because he was just the biggest and best basketball player at that time. Forced that. But it was Showtime Lakers, Boston Celtics, Jordan arrives, Charles Barkley arrives, you start having Utah, all of a sudden Utah is relevant with Carl Malone, the mailman, and John Stockton, Dominique Wilkins with the Atlanta Hawks and the slam dunk contest that he had with Michael Jordan, 
Oh, and the bad boy Pistons. And that's how I fell in love with the NBA. And that would continue to grow with the Bulls dynasty and everything that happened in the 90s. But for me, it was that. That's how I fell in love with it. When did you fall in love with the NBA? There's always that pivotal moment or that era or that year in your childhood where you fall in love with a sport. Maybe it's sometimes it's a player. Maybe it's sometimes it's a team or a moment. When was that for you? And I, I know I'm, I may give you a little hell here. I'll be like, oh, yeah, that seems like yesterday for me. But I, I do want to see the difference here because I'm the magic Michael Jordan generation. You're the LeBron James generation when it comes to the association. When did you fall in love with the NBA? Courtney Lee's rookie year breaks his nose, has a face mask in the 2009 NBA Finals against the Lakers where they lost 4-1 to one in that series. But that's the first finals and really the first time I was really invested into a team and into the NBA Finals or like an NBA series, NBA games. It was that 2009 NBA Finals. I always go back to it. I don't know why. I loved watching the Orlando Magic play. And I loved watching Dwight Howard as a low post presence, that that low post scorer, and then you surrounded shooters around him. Jameer Nelson ran the point. Yeah, Nelson. You had Turkaloo. You had Rashard Lewis. You had J.J. Redick on that team. Like, and then I just remember like Courtney Lee having a face mask and with a broken nose. That's that's like all I remember. But uh, I, I don't know. I don't know why I gravitated towards it. Maybe there's like some weird connection because I did play reg ball as a kid and I was on the Orlando Magic and I always tried to find a different team outside of my hometown team. That's why I'm a fan of the New York Jets because I, I can't be like solely a Saints fan. And even then people question if I'm a Saints fan or not. So it's like I I root for the New York Jets, but then I also I root for the New Orleans Pelicans, but I also root for the Orlando Magic. That's like my other team. So the 2009 NBA Finals, and even though they got like crushed in that series, like four to one, I mean whatever. Uh, I don't know why. I don't know. I always go back to that as like my starting moment for the NBA because I was aware of like other stuff in the NBA, but uh, I don't know why. 2009 NBA Finals. That's where I go back. I remember watching Magic and Bird. For me, the probably the pivotal moment that I really started paying attention to the NBA on a regular basis was the 1988 slam dunk competition between Jordan and Dominique, which many people consider the greatest dunk competition in the history of the All-Star game. Not the best dunk performance. I'd say that's probably Vince Carter, which was just another level. Right. But that dunk competition and. It's it's weird because you really haven't experienced that too, which I think is a shame that I grew up in an era where the best and the biggest stars took part in the All-Star Game competitions. LeBron kind of changed that where he never took part in the slam dunk competition. And we always wanted him. And for years, people were like, why won't you do the slam dunk competition? Why won't you do the slam dunk competition? Look, he just never wanted to do it. I think part of that for LeBron is he was always compared to Michael. Some of that was because he put that on himself. Others wanted to put those comparisons on him. If LeBron takes part, it was a bit, it would be a no-win situation for LeBron James in the slam dunk competition because it would automatically be compared to what MJ did and dissected. So I, I think I think there was times where LeBron wanted to be in the slam dunk contest but couldn't. Yeah. Right? Now, Dwight Howard had some good dunks. Blake Griffin had some good dunks. He jumped over the Kia. Dwight Howard put on the Superman cape. Griffin but, did not jump over that car. 
That's my take. He, 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 he kind of jumped he, over the car. Not really jumped over the car. Like, it's still impressive, but he didn't jump over that car. Like, it, it was a very my, small Kia. It's a very like, small It's like a shopping car. If I have to die on any hill, like <laughs> NBA take, it's that Blake Griffin did not jump over it. Like, we always make it out like Griffin jumped over the car. <laughs> no, first off, it's like the hood. If, 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 if that... If that, like, and it's not over, like, the peak of the car height. Like, and you know how much I don't like having to hear, like, yeah, I, I fell in love with him. It was, like, Dominique versus Michael Jordan in the dunk contest. And all I have is, like, I fell in love with the NBA when Courtney Lee broke his nose. And, like, <laughs> like, like how you- cool that sounds versus, like, me, like, starting off, like, yeah, I love the team that lost, like, four games to one in the... 2009 well, look, I mean, you, you go through the dunk contest. I mean, Dominique in 85, then Spud Webb, short little guy. Jordan, 87, 88. Oh, Kenny Walker, that's a name from blast from the past. Dominique again in 90. D. Brown, another short guy. And then it kind of, you know, people people fondly look back. They're like, oh, with the dunk. I, I, and then you bring up the names. Cedric Sabalas, Harold Miner, Isaiah Ryder, Harold Miner again, Brent Berry. The 90s were some duds, okay? Let, let, let's be real. The slam dunk contest fell on hard times in the 90s with the level of competition. Kobe, yeah, the late great, wins it in 97. Vince Carter in 2000, and he was great. And then there was a lot of dogs. Jason Richardson won it twice. I don't know. Josh if- Smith, Fred, jo- Fred Jones, by the way, played for the Pacers, in case you were wondering. Nate Robinson, I don't know. And then Nate Robinson has won it three times. It's like, eh. I don't know how much you know. of my, like, perspective is just swayed by gimmicks. Like, it's become a lot more gimmicks in the dunk contest than True. in years past. But, like, when I watch those highlights of the Jordan dunk contest, I'm like, you know, they're not that impressive. Like, I'm not impressed by these dunks. Maybe just because I've But back seen, then, back jumping then, from the like, baseline, uh, yeah. j- jumping from the free throw line, you're like, whoa. And let every kid try to do it outside, too. Right. Right. Well, w- once we saw that, we we're like, oh. We're going to jump from the three, and then you just see yourself fall flat on your face. Ball comes out of your hand. It's, it's just a comedy of errors. But it was a big deal then. That's why I say Vince Carter's was the best. Because even though some people have done what he's done before, no one had really done what he did in that one. And I've never seen someone at the same level since then. It's funny that you bring up that like Carter performance, because I was watching the E60 on Vince Carter in his career, and they were doing that dunk contest. And I was watching it with Paige's family. We're at Paige's parents' house. And they don't really know, like, about that 2000 dunk contest. And he does the elbow dunk. Oh, yeah. And Paige's mom goes like, oh. And I try to I try to explain, like, what's so cool about that elbow dunk is when he does it, the crowd goes silent for, like, a second or two. And, and the like, judges, the judges like, had no idea. Like, everyone's just stunned. There's, like, no applause. There's no real... Like, everyone's just in shock, and it's awesome. Like, that's why I love that elbow dunk, because everyone didn't know what they were watching. So when I watch dunks like that, even though you could say I've seen more impressive dunks than the elbow dunk, but just how special that elbow dunk was was captured in that moment. Like, everyone knew they were watching something special during that 2000 dunk contest performance. So that's why I liked it. I mean... And afterwards, when he does the... yeah, 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 he was in it. Like, right, right. He he was, he, he was in it. Kobe loved being in it, too. When the guys are really into it, the superstars, that's when the dunk contest is elevated. And it's nothing to knock on the guys that have won it lately because, look, they're putting in the work, right? Oh, yeah. they, 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 they are. And there's nothing – I'm not going to hate on that. 
but when the stars are into it, that's when it's special. And, and that's what happened in 88 with the dunk contest because Michael Jordan and Dominique went after each other, and there was something special about that because here's two huge young stars of the league going after each other in a – it doesn't mean anything, right? It's the dunk contest. But that was a seminal moment for me. I then watched with fanfare, even though I grew up loving Magic and Larry – Michael Jordan, the bad boy Pistons. And they were brought up in the last dance. And I say this too. The way they played the NBA, the way the NBA was played in the 80s, the late 70s, early uh, throughout the 80s into the early 90s, that game does not exist anymore. And, and, and that's not a bad thing or a good say, thing. I don't know, it, I don't, I don't know if I, that's necessarily a bad thing. It's not necessarily a bad thing. It was just different. They were allowed to foul. You were, you were fouled. I would love to see the NBA allow hand-checking because I think it makes it more difficult. It's not a hard foul. like It's not Bill Lambeer throwing his elbow into your throat. But hand-checking, they can't even hand-check anymore. It makes it difficult. And it's weird for me because it's, it's, it's switched quickly because Kobe played that way too when he first the hand-checking. Like, like, but that's been phased out of the game in the last five to seven years. It, it just doesn't do anymore. It's allowed it to be higher scoring. People argue it's not as physical. And well, look, look. If you're just going to base physicality on the fact that you know a hard foul, you're really not understanding how sports work. I'm just sorry. I'm just, I'm just being honest. Okay. And while we're talking about, let me get like one complaint off. One complaint I hear is, well, every time I tune into a basketball game, they're just missing shots all over the place. Well, what team has ever hit seventy percent of their shots? Like as a collective team, what team has ever hit? Over fifty percent of their shots, like it, that doesn't exist, and it hasn't existed in NBA history. So I don't know why people think today's NBA. What do you expect every shot to go in? That that doesn't make sense. Like I get so frustrated when people are saying, "Well, every time I tune into an NBA game, it's just a bunch of missed shots." And yeah, there's going to be shots missed. Like no no team shooting, like, making a majority of their shots. It just doesn't make sense. Sorry, that's my own. like that's my own thing. It's a lazy argument. It's a lazy argument. Yeah, I mean, but the game has changed. The game has definitely changed. There's like no handshaking. There's more freedom of movement Correct. That, for the NBA players. And that's for a more exciting game to get people to watch. And I know people don't really like that, like especially with the three-point evolution. Oh, yeah. Pe- people don't like that because people are manipulating it and all they're doing is shooting threes. Like there's a point, there's an extent to where it gets annoying. Trust me, like. I'll watch the Houston Rockets. Houston Rockets come to mind. And, and everyone goes to the Houston Rockets because they're really pushing it. They're really taking advantage of the three-point evolution. I don't know. Like, Are they taking advantage of it? Yeah, yeah. I, I, like, That's a separate discussion. They, they are, though. They, they really are because they have no center. And I'm, bring me back to the days where we were only talking about the Houston Rockets not having a center. I remember I went on like a five-minute rant on that on RP3 and company, like bring me back to those days where we only had to worry about the Houston Rockets not having a center and how ridiculous it was, but also it was kind of working, but also it wasn't working. I don't know. Bring me back to those days. I'm getting off track, but the game has definitely changed. I've heard a lot more complaints about it than anything. Like every time I talk to someone that has watched the NBA in the past and they compare it to now, they don't like how it's played now. I like how it's played, but Things have to evolve, right? I mean, football, you know, they had to introduce the forward pass. You understand what I'm saying? Like, so 
things evolving is not necessarily a bad thing. It, things changing is not a bad thing. People just tend to are always frustrated by they want things to be the same way they were when they were kids, Lewis, right. or when they were teenagers. When they fell in love with something, they want it to be the same way. Well, that's not how life works. So I still love the game. And the, this, this nonsense, and I'll go ahead and dip it in the bud right now, this nonsense take that, well, LeBron James couldn't have played in that era. No, stop. The man is built like a pass-rushing outside linebacker. No one has ever been built like him that's ever played the NBA. If, if, if he would have came up in the 80s and 90s, he'd be playing football. That's, that's what LeBron would have been doing. Because no one, he is magic, but a bigger muscular version of magic. Well, he's almost built like Malone. Right. But Malone had a little... Okay, but imagine if you're Malone in better shape, can it, shoot it, better, and can pass better. Like, that's If scary. you took Carl Malone and you merged him with Magic Johnson. That's scary. With a little bit of that Jordan mentality. That's, that, that, that's what you have. And so to think that he wouldn't have adapted, crazy. Now, would guys like Curry and Klay Thompson, would they have found a role? Yes, but they would have been role players. They would have been the Steve Kerr, the John Paxson types because that's how the NBA would have viewed them. They would have never had the opportunity, if you know what I'm saying, to have the opportunity to play. I was like, where is this going? (laughs) Especially with Steph early on because he had all the ankle issues his first few years in the league. Mm -hmm. He would have been regulated to being an off-the-bench Three-pointer, because that's how a lot of the NBA viewed their three-pointer, their three-point artist. You come off the bench, you shoot a couple threes, then you go back down. Right? That's how the game was. But they would have found a role. Absolutely. Durant, I think so. I think they would have physically tried to get, would have gotten after Kevin. KD, he has that slender build. No one really has that. No one really had that back then. But I'm just thinking the guys that you could have transported back then probably would have worked really well. I tell you, there are times when I watch Zion Williamson, he reminds me of Sean Kemp. Right. I've heard that one. I loved Sean Kemp. That was one of my favorite players because back then I did not have a favorite team, even though I did have the Chicago Bulls starter bomber jacket. Oh, yeah, I had it. It was a gift from my grandma. Because I couldn't afford, could not, could not afforded one of those bad boys. I didn't have, but I grew up in the era of dynasties: Celtics, Lakers, Pistons, Bulls. Okay, and then in my early twenties, it was the Lakers again with Phil Jackson and Shaq and Kobe and Robert Ory, who just somehow found a way to be on teams that won championships. And we'll get to dynasty talk here because people complain about it a lot now, and then I, I don't agree with that either. But Sean Kemp was one of my favorite players. I loved players, and I loved Sean Kemp. Now, his overall game was not great, Lewis. You watch the YouTube clips. Uh, that's all I have. Like, when you say I've lived during these times, pretty much all I have is YouTube clips to go Correct. off of. But Sean Kemp. But Zion, I think, is a, a better version of what Sean Kemp could be. They're not built exactly the same, but when I see Zion play, a lot of times the way he attacks the rim, it reminds me of how Sean Kemp used to attack the rim. And those supersonic teams with Sean Kemp and the glove, Gary Payton. Oh, they just talk so much trash. Definitely Shrimp was on there. He was a three-point shooter. Perkins was on that team as well. It's just, it's just great. I lived in the era of dynasties, and that was accepted. Because the thing was, you hated the dynasties if it was going against your team, but that gave the NBA a villain. There was always the David and Goliath. Who's going to knock off the Lakers? Who's going to knock off the Celtics? Okay, the bad boy Pistons did, and they really embraced the villain role. But then it was the Bulls 
well, who's gonna who's gonna take down the Bulls? The Lakers had their dynasty. I don't ever consider the Spurs really a dynasty because it, there were so many years in between them winning championships during that run. They won a bunch of championships, but it was kind of sporadic, right? You are during the era of the big three in Boston, which only netted one championship, but they they put that together. Of course, we're talking about KG, Ray Allen, Paul Pierce, Big Baby Davis. I do not view that as a dynasty, in my eye. The Heatles? Yes. That is a dynasty. Correct. Four straight finals, back-to-back NBA final wins. Yeah. And then comes Golden State. Yeah, Golden State's a dynasty. Of all of those, who's the biggest dynasty? It would be Golden State. Golden State. Yeah. Golden State. That, that do you have – do you – are you of the mindset that you hate the dynasties? Because I hear a lot of chatter from old. It, 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 it surprises me because I hear it from both younger and older NBA fans. Well, I just don't like the di- dynasties are bad for sports, and I go, no, they're not. No, think about how interesting. Like the Cavs, Warriors, four time around. I I viewed it as interesting. I was like four times in a row. I loved it. Like the best player on the planet versus the best team. We had it for four straight years because LeBron is the best player on the planet. I'm sorry. He is. I mean, and he has been since he really entered the league. There are so many connections, too, because when you have these teams going against each other like that, you have, you have Kevin Durant hitting that three to mm. go up like 3-0, and then that connected back to when he hit the, uh, the same three the year before in the same spot in the finals, and it was like a big connection that way. You, ha- you have so many storylines, and you have so much hatred. Like I remember in the 2016 finals where Cleveland comes back 3-1, like, that, that, that moment's so huge, but you also get LeBron blocking Steph and LeBron turning his head back, and he's like, yeah, like get that out. You know, like, they started just hating each other. Like, they really didn't like each other at one moment. And then, like, maybe, maybe not hate. They just – it was great to see them be, compet- be uh, play as competitors, and they went after it. And for me, watching it, it reminded me of the old days. I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. It reminded me of – battling it out, duking it out, going after each other. And, but there was always respect afterwards. Even though they talk trash and everything like that, you still have Draymond show up on LeBron's show and, and, and everything like that. There's still a level of respect. But LeBron was on a mission, right? Like, he was on a mission. And the Warriors were on a mission. It felt more significant than if you got, like, the Celtics with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Because that we almost got that. We almost yeah, got that. We it, did. Was a, it was a game seven, and, you know, Cleveland pulled it out thanks to Jeff Green and, I guess, LeBron. But it, it worked out. Imagine if you had, like, Boston versus Golden State. It would have been interesting, but I don't think as many people would have been invested in it because you didn't have LeBron James star in it. And the unique thing about during that stretch for me, Lewis, was, the year they broke the record the Warriors did for most regular season wins, breaking the Bulls' record. They're the best team. They are the dynasty. They lose that year because LeBron was the best player mm-hmm. on the face of the planet. How interesting is that? You break the record of a former dynasty that features, in many regards, people view as the greatest player of all time, and then you break that record, but then you lose in the finals and blow a lead in the finals. To the guy who's the best, the best player, the guy that's often compared to MJ. There's so there were so many storylines for that. There's four years like that, the Warriors and the Cavs, and I I was just it was blockbuster. I watched look, I watched the finals. I'm a big NBA guy. I'm a big NBA finals guy. I watched. I love watching the playoffs. 
watching the NBA Finals. Those finals were great to me. They were. Even when LeBron, even LeBron was outmatched, because let's be honest, talent-wise he was. He just was. Jordan Clarkson wasn't enough. Oh. Larry uh, Nance wasn't enough. Yeah, it's just, yeah, no. Okay. No. I mean, and, and credit Kyrie, he came up big with the, the one shot. But Golden State had far more talent. Far more talent. And Golden State being good again is important. I, I, I can't wait to see what the Warriors do next year. I, I, I really can't. Because you're going to have healthy Clay, healthy Steph, healthy Draymond. Now, you don't have those pieces anymore like Iggy, Sean Livingston. Livingston retired. Iggy's on to another team. Uh-huh. Miami playing for the Miami Heat after refusing to play for the Memphis Grizzlies. So depth night- was important during that time, during oh. that run. De- depth was very important, and it showed in the Raptors finals how important depth was. Because man, once Clay and Katie went down, it, that was it. It didn't feel right. Like they, they, none of the other pieces. They, could they step didn't up. have the depth like they had before. Yeah, and so now they got to figure out a way. Now they don't have the big contract to have to deal with Durant, but you 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 have your you still have your three core guys that won a world you know won a world championship, and you still have Steve Kerr. What if they get a lottery pick? What if they bring in another guy? I, I can't wait to see what Golden State does. I can't wait to see. I, I know a lot of Pelicans fans don't want to hear this. I love LeBron with the Lakers. I, I do. I, the Lakers relevant is good for the NBA. I'm just sorry it is. It, it always has been. Oh, right. When those big market teams are relevant in the NBA. Imagine if the Knicks were relevant instead of like a joke. They just haven't been relevant for so long. That'd, now, be, that'd be good. That, that'd be the awesome Knicks, if the, the, Knicks were... the, the, the Knicks have become the Nebraska Cornhuskers. What Nebraska is in college football, having not been relevant since 2000, that's what the Knicks are. It was fun when Jeremy Lin and Carmelo Anthony were you there. You had some Lin sanity. They, it was they, fun. Carmelo there made them relevant, too. I, I just, But having Boston be good, the Lakers be good, it, it, it's good for the NBA. It just is. When you watch it now... So, I know you're a Pelicans fan because they're the in-state. And you, you fell in love with the Magic. Who are some of the players that you absolutely love? I know LeBron is one. Yeah. Non-Pelicans guys that you want to watch that are just box office for you. Like, like if, if you got time to kill, or maybe even if you don't, and you're like, you know what? I'll, I'll just use an example right now for the upcoming postseason. Mm-hmm. Well, they'll have the eight regular season games. And then we'll have the postseason. Who are you watching? Give me Westbrook. I love watching Westbrook. I lo- oh God, he's so good. Um, I'm, and I'm I'm thinking about these. I'm I'm like looking at the list of teams. Is there a more com- quickly? Is there a more competitive guy in the no. NBA than Russell Westbrook? No, no, no there we go. No. There, there's nobody. I I love that mentality of these people paid to see me, so I'm going to give them everything. Love that. So Westbrook is up there. Luca is is oh a, yeah. Like I have to tune in to see what Luca's doing. Jimmy Butler's another one. I love you watching know, You Jimmy know I'm Butler. a big Jimmy yeah, Butler Yeah, you're man. a big Jimmy guy. I think those are players. Other than that, I'm trying to think of players on the Clippers like Kawhi and Paul George. I like to see them collectively, but I'm not tuning in. I was tuning in during the run, the postseason run last year because of Kawhi. But I don't know if with the Clippers, I'm like, I got to see what Kawhi is doing. I thought I would have more enthusiasm watching the Clippers this past season, and I didn't. And that's weird because they have Doc Rivers as their coach, a man who's been there, lived it before. 
you have Kawhi, you have Paul George. Yet I don't find myself gravitated towards that team for whatever reason. It's weird for me. I find myself gravitating to watching the Lakers because of LeBron and Anthony Davis. I'm always intrigued by the Trailblazers because Lillard always comes up with big shots during the postseason. I agree with you. Luka is box office for me. But that, that brings me to another point. You struggled to come up with a couple of names. That's just me, though. I do think that's an issue. I, I do find that that could be in in an issue. Who has stepped up? If you take Zion out of it, who he he has stepped up because there's been a vacuum, Lewis, of talent. If you take LeBron, still there. Anthony Davis is a great player. He's not a star, in my opinion. He doesn't move the needle. Like, people don't go, oh, I got to watch AD. It's not that. When Golden State's healthy, you have to watch Golden State, whether you love them or hate them. You, you want to watch Steph, you want to watch Clay. shoot those threes. You want to see what they'll do. LeBron, you always want to see because he's phenomenal. Durant, but with Clay and Steph hurt, Durant hurt. Who's helped fill the void? It's been Zion, a 19-year-old rookie, and Luka. I think you're leaving off James Harden and Giannis. I think those are other two names that people do enjoy watching. I know people complain a lot about James Harden, but James Harden and Giannis, I mean, they're two MVP candidates, and they were battling out for the MVP this season. I agree. That even though I left off, I do think people watch the game to watch Giannis or James Harden. There are people out there. I would okay. So that gives us what that gives us five. With injuries to the other older I'm talking about the guys that are in their thirties that got injured. Steph, Clay, Kevin Durant, and uh, Kyrie. They're all around that thirty year age. So the young guns that are going to be coming up and being the face of the association. We're looking at Zion, tops the list, obviously. Mm-hmm. Luca. Mm-hmm. Look, I love John Morant, but he's not a star. He just isn't. If you walk onto the street and you go, hey, you want to go watch John Morant? They're like, who? Maybe he will become that. I don't think his game is going to allow – it's not a flashy game. So it's not really going to do it. Harden, as great as Harden is, I feel at times that he's not a superstar, even though he has the beard and he has the cool nickname. But I don't feel like he's on superstar status at times. It's weird. I don't know if that's because he was the second or third banana in Oklahoma City, but he's been the man in Houston. I don't know. I do worry a little bit. I, I know there's more guys coming. Embiid. I, I throw Embiid. Oh, oh yeah. Too. He's Embiid, a big personality Embiid. that people like, and he's a great basketball player. So. Correct. Embiid. Like, there's players. I think there's players. I think Donovan Mitchell could be a guy. Like, no one out here is, I have to watch the Jazz because of Donovan Mitchell. But, man, his run in that postseason was, was a lot of fun. Oh, he's great. Yeah, so I think Donovan Mitchell's another guy. Again, we didn't bring up Embiid until now. We didn't. Ben Simmons might be. I don't think he's box office at all. Like no one's going to be watching. Who, who who's bigger box office? Even though he's only played in less than twenty games, who's bigger box office than Zion right now? LeBron, right? So LeBron's more box office. Kevin Durant's probably more box office. The Splash Brothers when they're healthy. 
But Zion's such a man that you only get a Zion every I know fifteen years, so it's hard to frame it like the league's in trouble if they don't have a Zion. But they or, do have or, a Zion, or, or if right. they don't have multiple Zions. Well, well, they kind of do though, right? Zion and they have Luca. I think that's all you need. I don't think you need ten guys to watch the league. I think you just need a handful of guys. How, how old is Giannis? He's still under the age of 30, right? Yeah, he is. He's still he's about 27, I think, maybe. I think he's like 25. 26, 27. So, well, welcome to Guess the Age, where we <laughs> have no idea what the age of players are. He's 25 years old. He's 25. So he's just now entering his prime. And he had a couple slow starts to his uh, slow. And that's the difference between him and Zion is that... Giannis wasn't really a superstar coming out. And that's what's impressed me more, and I know we've made this into Pelican's conversation. I just kind of drifted that way. That's what's impressed me the most about Zion, Zion Lewis, is that the expectations. He comes into the league as the savior of a franchise and the face of that franchise and, let's be honest, the face of the NBA moving forward. He is 19 years old, and he has handled it beautifully. I have not seen someone handle that enormous amount of pressure probably since LeBron. A lot of that is due to self-awareness. He's aware that he's only 19. He doesn't build himself bigger than what he is. Like, That's a great point. There's an interview where Rachel Nichols is asking him about all this pressure that's put onto him, the spotlight that's put onto him, and he just answers it and he says, well, I'm only 19. He's very self-aware that he's only 19, so he can't build himself up or talk like he has been somewhere or he has done things because he realizes he's he's so young and that he has a lot to learn. He's so humble. A lot of that is just self-awareness. He's self-aware of the position that he's in. He knows that people are building him up to be the next LeBron or the next great thing in the NBA, but he always grounds himself in, I'm just so young, I'm only 19. Which is great. Which, which helps him, and that's great. It makes him so appealing, right? It makes him so approachable. It makes him so engaging. Plus, he just has a cool person. Like, he just comes off as someone like you would just want to just like hang out with. Like, I, I'm just being honest. Like, would he, you hang out with Zion? Oh, I would. I don't know if I'd hang out with Zion. You don't think you would? No, I don't know. Well, I'm very would. quiet, and if Zion likes to watch the social network, then maybe. <laughs> But I'm not sure if Zion, <laughs> if me and Zion will watch the social network together. And maybe I wouldn't want to. I don't know. I don't know what kind of exactly what kind of guy he is or what he does on his downtime. If he wants to play Madden or 2K, I would absolutely do that with him. But I don't know how much me and Zion would click. As much as I've envisioned me and him being best friends, I don't know what that hangout looks like. I don't know what that looks like. So I don't know if I would hang out with Zion. Right here in the studio. That'd be great. 1037 Game Studio. Yeah, I could just hang out in the chairs. Just talk. What do we talk about? We'd talk about his talk about, you know, him developing a shot. That's boring. You talk think he wants 2K? to talk about developing his shot? Talk about two K? Talk about the MCU? He has poetry. You 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 know you know he's a big MCU fan. He is an MCU fan. We could talk about that. Look, if he wants to sit down and watch Endgame, and yes, Zion. Endgame might not be the best MCU movie, but it's the longest. And that gives me the most amount of time to hang out with him. So if Zion ever approached me, he'd be like, hey, what MCU movie movie do you want to watch? 
even though Endgame wouldn't be my first choice, it would be my first choice for Zion because it's three hours long, and I get three hours with Zion. I love that. We're going to make that happen, by the way. <laughs> All right, let, let's wrap it up a little bit here. Let's look ahead to the to the playoffs. Lewis, we, we know that there's still work to be done with the eight games. Who do you like? Who who intrigues you out of each conference here? As, we, as they're going to be gearing back up, not who's going to win, not who you think is going to win, but which of these teams and players you're really intrigued by. Obviously, we know Zion and the Pels, but are there other ones where you're like, how are they going to deal with this time off? How are they going to deal with playing Orlando? Who are you going to make sure to kind of pay attention to and keep an eye on? All right, we'll start in the East. Wizards, I'm not interested. You're five and a half back. You have an opportunity, but you will not be the eight seed. That, that is not going to happen because the Orlando Magic are in there. And I love people, Bradley Beal, by the way. People, I, I do too. But people are talking about how there's no home court advantage. There's an Orlando team. Oh, there it is. And the Orlando Magic intrigue me. They're going to get stomped against the Milwaukee Bucks. <laughs> like, no question about it. But they don't have to travel. They're good. I know players might have left the city to be with their families. But I'm intrigued already by the Orlando Magic. But that's just me. Staying in the East, the 76ers, because they were beat up before the season was suspended. Sim- I have, ke- I, I have chemistry issues there and, with them. And there's a that's a team I made the argument for you get more practice time with your teammates. But I feel like with the 76ers, it's not even about practice time with them. There's more personalities going on. And Brett Brown not being able to figure out what to do with those personalities. Oh, I see a pink slip in his future. That I feel not... This extra practice time will not help the 76ers, although I am intrigued because they were beat up. Right. I, I'm intrigued to see how the 76ers respond as well. I don't. I, I personally don't think it's going to help them. I, I agree with you. The Miami Heat could be sneaky because they are also a Florida team. but And they got Jimmy. Jimmy Butler, they, they were okay. I watched the E60 on Pascal Siakam, so I want the Raptors to win the championship now. Have you been surprised how well they've played without Kawhi? Yes, and it would be ridiculous to say for anybody to be like, no, I'm not surprised. Kawhi Leonard left, and he was the Finals MVP, and he was a large part of that run, and he leaves, and you're 46-18. and 18. No one expected that. Terrific coaching. Terrific no, coaching. Yeah, Nick Nurse is great. And Milwaukee Bucks, I'm not even intrigued by the Milwaukee Bucks because you just expect them to roll through the East, or not even roll, but roll through to the Eastern Conference Finals. That's what I expect. The so only real really threat in the East. Him. The only real threat in the East is what Boston. You think, but Toronto, as as well as they played, you don't think they're any kind of threat. It it all depend on the matchups. Yeah, I mean, if Milwaukee has to face both Boston and Toronto in the conference semifinals and the conference finals, if that's how it would lay out, boy, that's that, that's not a slam dunk for the Greek freak to lead the Bucks to the NBA Finals. I'm sorry. Because both of those teams have playoff experience, and both of those teams are very well coached. But give me, I would say give me Boston over Miami. If I had to really narrow this list down to who I'm intrigued by, give me Boston over Miami. I'm also interested in Toronto. So that's Toronto-Boston. I'll leave Miami out the mix. Okay. I'll leave them out because i got to pick. I'm leaving Indiana out the mix. I'm not not intrigued, even though I love Victor Oladipo. He can sing very well, in case no one knew that. Shout out to the mass singer. Well, I knew I knew before because back when he was in college. Anyway. Because be, look, look, you look, you follow the association. I, I've got to narrow this down. Toronto, Boston. <laughs> I'm intrigued by 
Give me Philly. Give me Orlando. I'm intrigued by four of the nine teams going to Orlando. I want to see if Philly's going to implode. I agree with you. <laughs> I, I just not do. even if they thrive. I, I just, like you're not. You're not saying if Brown can rally that team to actually succeed and live up to the talent it has on this roster, I'll be stunned. Yes, I, I'll be stunned. Milwaukee, but, can they get there? And, and what what does Boston have in in its tank? In Toronto, look, Toronto could very well. Uh, uh, upset the apple cart there so i'm re- i'm with you uh, uh le- um boston toronto philly and milwaukee and you know i'm gonna do i'm gonna do fifth here i'm i'm miami they're well coach sposra is just so good yeah he's awesome and you've seen what he's done since he's lost all the star power and he still has them relevant and still has them in competition pat Riley needs to do a better job of drafting and getting players to come to miami that falls on him that's not eric's problem go over to the west we know the lakers i'm intrigued by because of lebron wearing the, the purple and gold and him with Anthony Davis. And that seem, it seemingly has gone well because Anthony Davis doesn't have to be the alpha. He can be the, the Robin, which fits perfectly with him and takes the pressure off of him as well, both on the court and off the court. All right, we'll start at the bottom. Get Phoenix all the way out of here. Get San Antonio all the way out of here. But I'm more intrigued in Phoenix than San Antonio. We'll okay. say that. Uh, but get both of those teams all the way out of here. Sacramento, uh no. Forever a connection to Buddy Hilde, but I'm going to say no. I also love De'Aaron Fox. So De'Aaron Fox might be another young player that could blossom into like a, a little bit of a face and people could be excited. In spite about. having to play in Sacramento, yes. Yes, I know. You just put a Kings uniform and oh, you just dude. like. It's, it's, it's just like a, a it, it's, it's derailed nearly so many careers. It's Continue. Like Cleveland Browns Ooh. uniform. Yes, you, that's you a great comparison. On. Bravo. I wish I would have thought of that. I'm intrigued by the Pelicans. I don't know why, you know, just, you know, absolutely no bias, but man. No, it, it's legit, though. It's it is legit. legit. And, it's legit. And it's legit because even the national talk is about the league is rigging the playoff format to have Zion in. And when you have that talk, you have to be interested in the Pelicans and what Zion is going to do. Portland, if I had to pick, though, from the bottom team, like, I'm more interested in New Orleans than Portland, even though. I'd rather Portland. Well, well Dame's not going to play, right? Well, it, if it, it's up to him, it's up to him if he plays. He's we'll going, see. He's yeah, going if, to play. If but. he plays, that's more intriguing. I'm more intriguing to see if Memphis can hold on. Yeah, but I'm not even interested in Memphis. So get Memphis out of here. Like, I got to narrow my list down to who Go I'm ahead. intrigued by. I'm in, I'm intrigued by four in the East. So far, I'm only interested in one. That's New Orleans, and I'm only going to be interested in Memphis because of that race. Okay. So. But as a team, I'm not interested in them and what they. I'm I'm interested in how they perform because I want the Pelicans to jump them. Dallas, Luca and Porzingis has worked out more than you can think. It's worked it's, out, it's worked really, out well. really well. Like really well. The dream scenario you thought of Luca and Kristaps Porzingis is already working out. So that that's great. But I, again, I got to narrow my list down. Dallas, you're out. Interested by Houston, no center. Like I mentioned again, let's not forget. Houston traded Capella. Oh. Isn't that insane? They have no center. So they're riding into this with no center again. Give me Houston. Also, James Harden looks like he lost a lot of weight. I don't know if you've been following like social media. All these guys are losing weight. What's going on? What's going on where Harden's losing weight? Nikola Jokic looks like he lost weight. I'm hearing on Pelicans Twitter, this is just talks in the streets, that... Zion has been in the best shape since entering the league. And Ingram's put on muscle. And Ingram's put on muscle. Apparently, they switched diet plans is what I'm hearing. <laughs> I'm interested in that. 
Okay, continue. OKC, I got to kick you out. No, not interested. I got to kick you out. Um, Utah. No. Only one reason I would be, and that's Gobert and Donovan Mitchell in their relationship. Because if you remember, Gobert started the COVID nineteen with COVID nineteen professional sports. Yes, and then he had the story where he was touching everybody's belongings, like he was touching mm-hmm. all the teammates' stuff. And then it later comes out that Donovan Mitchell has COVID nineteen or had COVID nineteen. They don't have enough pieces there to be a legit. But I'm not interested in Utah. Not interested in the Nuggets. Not not interested. So, but I'm interested in both the LA teams, Bravo. the Lakers and the Clippers. Yes. So that's the Lakers, Clippers, Houston, New Orleans. Four, four in the list that I'm intrigued by. I have more than four. Okay. Lakers, tops the list. Mm-hmm. Clippers, will the load management, how is Kawhi and Paul with Doc Rivers? Can they make a run? They're mentally tough enough, especially Kawhi, to maybe go toe to toe with the Lakers. But. I'm not for sure that the Clippers can even get to the Western Conference Finals against the Lakers. I agree with you. The Rockets. How is Russ and the Beard going to play together in the postseason without a center? Because when they were in Oklahoma City, they had big men. They had Ibaka and they had, for a time, Perkins. So they had big guys there when they played together with Kevin Durant. They don't have that. But Harden is so talented and so is Russ. They can they can take over a game. They can put up 45 points and win the game. Boy, but it does sure does feel like we talked about Brown and Philly. Sure does feel like D'Antoni and Houston is coming to an end as well. And typically when the coaches has a foot out the door, the team checks out a little bit. Not saying that they will do that, but I'm intrigued to see how Houston responds to the shortened season into the postseason. I love the Pelicans, as you do. But I'm going to give love to both Dallas and Memphis. I want to see Luka. I want to see the Unicorn. I want to see them in the postseason. And I want to see with the time off if those young guns, especially Luka, boy, it feel, I, I kind of mentioned it, but it feels like this could be a postseason where maybe the young guns don't win it, but they start putting up the, the, that, that resume of playoff moments. Luka with Dallas, Zion, New Orleans. Like, they could start building that a little bit now. I'm intrigued. Maybe John Morant with Memphis as well. So, I'm more intrigued by the West than I am the East. The the level of competition is better in the West. Right. More stars in the West. But that's where I stand. I actually wouldn't be surprised if Dallas upsets the Clippers in the first round. I would not be upset by that. If that's how it shakes out and Dallas remains at the seven seed and the Clippers remain at the two seed, I would not be surprised whatsoever if Dallas beats the Clippers. Not, Not at all. Not at all. We man, we we agreed a lot today. Yeah, I don't know. I don't like that. <laughs> I don't like that at all. Oh, uh, Lewis, it's been a while since we've been on the podcast together. Thank you for joining me today. Talking about we talked about the Pels. We talked about the NBA postseason coming up, uh, the restart of the season, and uh, how we fell in love with the association. Man, some good NBA discussion here, brother. Right in my wheelhouse. Thank you, Ray. Right in your wheelhouse. Lewis Prejean. I'm Raymond Pars III, better known as RP3. Want to thank you for checking out this latest episode of the Rap Game Podcast. Until next time, y'all be safe out there and be kind to one another. We're out.